0: Welcome to the Equipping You and Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You and Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be a trustworthy and a sound Christian. You know, uh, recently we did an—I did an episode talking about beware of false teachers—and even previous to that, I—I I did an episode, you know, uh, talking about why we need to care and support our pastor. And, and these kind of conversations are really important to uh, talk about because we're living in a time where biblical illiteracy and even theological literacy are running rampant. And when I mention um, you know, biblical illiteracy, what I mean is, the definition of that is, people don't know key facts or ideas about the Bible, Whereas being biblically literate means you know some of or most of the the key stories and ideas you know where they are and those kind of things and by theologically literate, what I mean is you know you have a understanding a basic even understanding of the reformation and and those kind of things and 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 you know some of the meaning of the words or you're growing in those understanding of those. Uh, By the way, about once a month, I take a theological term um, and explain it over on the Servants of Grace podcast and on the theology segment there on that podcast, the Servants of Grace podcast. Those go up every Thursday, so if you're interested in that, um, the meaning of words and what they mean why we use them, I I do a weekly episode, usually those are 5 to 20 minutes um, uh, long, so But to today's episode, we're going to talk about how to be a trustworthy and a sound Christian. You know, because God is trustworthy and because we're to emulate God's character to the fullest possible extent, it is vital that Christians be considered trustworthy. You know, we've all felt the pain, right, of being let down by another human being. People constantly disappoint us. A friend offers to help you move some furniture on a Saturday morning, but they never show up. You know, your daughter tells you, uh, Min, you know, that she'll be home at 10, but it's 11.45 before she returns, and she tells you, I lost track of time. Your manager at work promises to let the boss know about your key role in a big project, but then that uh, manager takes credit all for themselves. You know, a neighbor constantly lets his dog dig in your shrubs, even after you ask him not to. And there are example after example of example of human being failing another. And yet God never fails us. The Lord bound himself to keep his promise to Abraham by swearing by himself. He pledged that he would cease to be God before he would let his promise go unfulfilled. And it's true that God reserves the right to fulfill his promise in his own time, according to his sovereign plan and according to his providence. But that does not, even that does not impugn his trustworthiness. The word of God over and over again declares that God will do what he says he will do. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do, or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Now, 1 Samuel 15, 29 says this, the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Psalm 110.4 declares the Lord has sworn and will not relent. And James 1.17 says every good and every perfect gift comes from above and comes down for the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You see, the Lord is faithful. He's true. He's utterly trustworthy. And, And such should be the character of those who profess the name of Christ. Now, none of us are going to be perfect in this area, not one of us. We're going to fail people just as they fail us. But we should be known as people who are trustworthy, who are dependable in an ever-increasing measure. And these character traits should serve as a powerful testimony in today's world and bring God uh, glory to the God we emulate. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you have a reputation for dependability? Or do others think of you as less than trustworthy? And if the latter, how are you going to address this problem today? Simply put, promise cautiously, deliver studiously. Do not say you forgot or make any other excuses. Own up to it. Be specific in when you do this. Repent this sin and pray that God may make you into a person in which Uh, the others can rely on now let's talk more about this because we're not going to end this episode just right at that point because there's a lot more to say in the word of god about being a trustworthy and a sound christian you know, Paul wrote to Titus, who and Titus was helping new churches on the island of Crete to begin to grow. And, and in his letter, Paul's letter to Titus, he reminds Titus of the importance of setting a good example in the Christian life for others. People were watching the Christians on the island. New believers were watching and listening to older believers. What people heard and saw from Christians every day shaped what those people learned about Christ and about Christianity. And the same is true today. And we find in Titus 2, 1 through 15, at least four examples that every Christian can set. And we can start setting these examples immediately. We don't have to wait until we're a certain age. We don't have to graduate from Bible college or seminary. We just have to commit to following what the Holy Spirit is saying in the Word of God. And by obeying the revealed Word of God, we're going to set a good example for others to follow and to learn from. And the first point here is set an example of sound beliefs. In Titus two one. Paul urged Titus to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. In verses 2-5 through of this chapter, the Apostle Paul described what sound beliefs look like when translated into one's lifestyle. Now, we all have beliefs. We all have a worldview. We're all theologians. We start forming some of those beliefs very early in life, even in infancy, as we watch and as we listen to those around us. Now, I'm not going to say everything in this section about what we're going to talk about later, but I'll say this. Sound Christian beliefs are grounded in the gospel because the gospel is revealed in the word of God. And so confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead is absolutely vital, as Romans 10:9 through 10 says. Sound Christian living springs from sound Christian beliefs. Second point, set an example of good works. Paul urged Titus to make himself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching in Titus 2.7. You know, the apostle was reminding believers that the way we live and the way that we relate to others, it ought to match with what we teach about the gospel. This means that we should practice what we preach. The, the apostle James illustrated Paul's point this way in James 2.15-16. If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? The Apostle John put the matter even more bluntly when he writes this in 1 John 4.20. If anyone says I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. The third point, set an example of faithfulness. In verses 9-10 through of Titus 2, Paul exhorted slaves who had become Christians to demonstrate utter faithfulness so that you may adorn the teaching of God, of our Savior, in everything. That is, the faithfulness that Paul referred to was not only faithfulness to Christ, but also faithfulness to their human masters. We cannot even begin to understand what life as a slave was like in the first century or any century and what that was like, and even less can we comprehend what it's like to experience spiritual freedom in Christ and yet uh, remain a slave to a human master. That is, what we learn from Paul's teaching and his example, the Apostle Paul experienced more than once what it was like to be imprisoned unjustly is that a Christian attitude and a Christian lifestyle can have a powerful impact on others regardless of the Christian circumstances. An example of utter Christian faithfulness means that I speak and act in the same Christ-like way at work and at home as I do at church. Our next point is a set an example of enduring hope. And Paul outlines this in Titus 2, 12-13, uh, through 13, where he urged all Christians to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, today, as in Paul's day, the world languishes under the wickedness that comes from the devil's frantic, last-ditch efforts to inflict as much damage as possible to the creation. And as Christians, we may sometimes wonder how long God will allow such wickedness to persist. We may even wonder whether our efforts to live faithfully, to do good works, to maintain sound Christian beliefs, it makes any difference at all. Well, the answer to both of these questions lie in the certainty of what Paul says is our blessed hope. Christ's return will usher in the Lord's final victory over the devil, wickedness, and death. Further, his return will vindicate every believer's enduring hope in the Lord. And let me ask you today how can you begin right now in this moment as you're thinking about it to set an example of Christian living or strengthen your example in one of the more ways that we've already talked about today? Well, I said that we're going to talk more about sound doctrine, and so that's where, this is where we go now. We're going to talk about what sound doctrine is and what it means and how to stand fast because this is absolutely critical to what it means to being a trustworthy and a sound Christian. Now sound doctrine will reflect God's intent for his reward. It, it will judge the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, as Hebrews four twelve says. It's useful for teaching, for rebuke, for correcting and training in righteousness, as we see in 2 Timothy three sixteen, thoroughly equipping us for every good work, as we see in Second Timothy three seventeen, to be a lamp for our feet and a light for our path, as we see in Psalm one hundred nineteen one hundred five, to keep us on the path of purity as we We see in Psalm 119.9 to give us understanding to the simple in Psalm 119.130 and to grow our salvation as we see in uh, 1 Peter 2.2. Now Paul speaks of and even warns about unsound doctrine in 2 Timothy 4.3-4 which says, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to uh, myths. Now, does it really matter what we believe as long as we just believe in Christ? Well, the answer is yes. And the reason is, is because our faith is based on an incredibly specific message. So modifying it or distorting it can have detrimental and eternal impact. Now, the gospel revealed in the Word of God is the basis of our salvation. And so uh, Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, watch our life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so what Paul is urging us here towards is if you don't pay attention to your life or to what doctrine is, that's teaching in the word of God, you're going to lose yourself in anyone who hears what you say. Now, consider with me briefly this generation of media overload coming at us left and right. Now, and perhaps more than ever, we must watch carefully for doctrine that scratches itching ears. That's because Scripture indicates and warns us that many false teachers have gone out into the world in First John four one and are inevitable. And so it's critical to understand what false doctrine looks like and how we can respond to it. Now, this is why we've been talking about these things uh, recently, because... We're living in a time, as I mentioned, of great biblical and theological illiteracy. We need to understand what sound doctrine is so that we can counter what unsound doctrine is. That's going to help us to learn how to respond to false doctrine. And so we need to know what are the warning signs of false doctrine. You know, that this is when we see the gospel message is being altered or even refuted. This is also to say that the Word of God is sacred and essential to our salvation. And so we must understand, as, as Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 20-21, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now let's pause here and just reflect on this verse. We theologians, they use this verse Uh, to explain what's called as the dual authorship of Scripture. What the dual authorship of Scripture means is that the Holy Spirit inspired the authors to write the reliable, trustworthy, without error, without the possibility of error, uh, the sufficient, the clear, the binding Word of God. But he used their personality, their gifts, their talents, their education, and their background to uh, inspire the Word that he gave to us in the 66 books. And that is such an, a vital point to understand um, because that that provides the foundation not only for God revealing himself in the in the trustworthy and reliable and sufficient clear and binding word of God but it provides the basis for us to know God This is special revelation. It's it's been described in this way like a compass pointing to, a compass points to the true north. For the Christian, the 66 books of the word of God are their true north. It it provides them a compass in which to navigate and a lens to view the world uh, the way that God does. So let's talk a little bit more about this. Now, it's natural to believe that a teacher who calls oneself a Christian would relay a trustworthy message. But what happens when a teacher, a preacher, an author, a blogger, a podcaster teaches pieces of pieces of the gospel but ignores or even outright refutes the rest? Well, Paul warns those that would relay false doctrine may have the appearance of godliness but deny its power, as he says in 2 Timothy three five. Now, one example that we see very clearly out in our day is the prosperity gospel. It it teaches that you can use God for whatever you desire, and that God is required, even obligated, to respond to what we want, when we want. It, It places us at the center rather than God, who is sovereign. The prosperity gospel, it also stresses wealth and prosperity, and that God wants us to be happy. It wrongly stresses that having good faith and, and doing good things means we will receive material blessing from God. Well, this is a false theology. Uh, it may sound appealing to its followers or even immature Christians, but it, but it can potentially destroy one's faith when suffering comes and the Lord seems quiet. Now, Like prosperity theology, we need to be cautious of other teachers who claim that parts of the word are embellished, incorrect, inconsistent, out of date, or open to interpretation. We need to be aware of those who are saying that they have new dreams and new revelation outside of what the word of God says because that undermines the sufficiency of God's word which is for our life and for our godliness. Now, beware also uh, of doctrine that teaches there is another way to heaven, another God that denies the deity of Christ or denies the Trinity. Watch for doctrine that states there's no heaven or hell or that good works or being a good person will lead to eternal life. Uh, Also watch for uh, a, a teacher or a pastor or a shepherd saying, "If you follow this method, like the enneagram, uh, and and use it as a method, a tool, uh, it it will help you to be able to deal with your emotions." It won't. That denies again. It deny that denies the sufficiency of Christ, and it denies the sufficiency of the Word of God, uh, and it minimizes the the central place of sanctification and the life of the Spirit in the life of the Christian, and and on and on we could go with this, but. Uh, Hopefully that's helpful. The next thing to watch for is the teacher doesn't reflect Christ. It's likely that unsound doctrine will eventually show itself through the character of its teacher. After all, if a person is not filled with the fruit of the Spirit, the Lord will ultimately bring it to light. Be conscious of controversy, conceitedness, friction, or greed displayed by a teacher of the Word of God. Take serious note of lying, of deception, of hypocrisy. False doctrine may also show itself in a teacher's insincerity, arrogance, and disobedience. Paul saw the false teachers of Ephesus as charlatans, those who are deceived and change the gospel message to suit their own interests and the interests of their followers. Power, profit, having successful teaching careers, should even send up red flags. None of these characteristics are Christ-like. And Paul shows us what this is like in First Timothy 6, 3-12, through when he says this, Now, how should we respond to this? Paul states this in 1 Timothy 4, 1-2. through 2. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, Son will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. This means that we must prepare to respond. False doctrines can confuse immature Christians It can destroy one's faith and even ruin the credibility of Christian Christianity. Now, we must take this seriously, but how? We need to rightly handle the word of God. If we are not dependent on and being faithful to sound doctrine ourselves as revealed in the word, we cannot grow in Christ. We cannot discern when doctrine isn't sound. And that means if we abide in the teaching of Christ, we are given his spirit, as 2 John 1, 9 says. And therefore, we aim to rightly handle the word of God, as 2 Timothy two fifteen says. Accordingly, it is our obligation as Christians to spread the gospel message exactly as it's been revealed in the word of God. That is, we must proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the righteousness of God, as Paul says in Romans 1.16. That means we must equip ourselves to resist being tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, as Ephesians 4.14 says. And we accomplish this by growing in the Word of God ourselves, understanding its foundational truths, continuing in the truth. This can be accomplished through consistent prayer as you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, as you join a Bible study in a small group at your local church, you meet with trusted leaders who are uh, uh, like biblically qualified male pastors in your local church, you listen to biblically faithful uh Podcast, like hopefully this one is for you that's helping you grow. Uh, you listen uh, or read uh, trustworthy good books and on and on. Now, the other thing I want to say is there is a time that you need to watch and avoid. On numerous occasions, Scripture instructs us to take notice of false teachers and to avoid them. In 1 Timothy 6.20, in 2 Timothy 3.5, in 2 Thessalonians 3.6, Romans 16.17 says, Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Now, take tender care in examining every teaching or teachers in light of the Word of God. 1 John 4.1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And there are benefits to keeping close watch and avoidance, because by doing so, you're going to save yourself and others, as 1 Timothy 4.16 says. You're going to receive a full reward, as 2 John 1.8 says. You're going to be righteous, as Proverbs 13.5 says. And you're going to be an approved workman, as 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about. But we also need to learn to speak out. False doctrine can temporarily or eternally damage a person, which means we are faced with the task of keeping this from occurring. And and though the Bible first commands and commends the avoidance of false teaching, there are going to be instances where we need to correct and even encourage, but this must be done, as 2 Timothy 4, 2-4 says, with great patience and careful instruction. We must humbly love and respect our biblically qualified male pastors in our local church and even recognize that only God can judge their hearts. And therefore, we must first search our own hearts and be intentional and even cautious about our own self-righteousness, our sinfulness, and our hypocrisy. As Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you may also be tempted. Titus 1.9 says this of pastors and elders, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So as we wrap up today's episode, I have three more points for you. And the first one is this. Being a trustworthy and a sound Christian, it means being in the Word of God yourself, as we've talked about, and committing also to being in your local church every Lord's Day to be under the preaching of God's Word. You need this. Uh, This is going to help you to learn to exposit, to handle the Word of God rightly by, by, by hearing how your pastor handles and exposits passage after passage of the Word of God. Second, being a trustworthy and sound Christian means fellowshipping with God's people and prioritizing life-on-life accountability and discipleship. The last point for today's episode is this. Being a trustworthy and sound Christian means reading godly books. They're going to help you grow yourself. That's why on this podcast, we we have talked about this before, but that's why on this podcast we interview authors. Uh, and, And I love it because so often um, you know I benefit from those interviews as well because and, I, and I'm also so encouraged because a lot of the time what I what I hear is in in, in the author's own words and how they communicate I, I hear a lot of the same things that i, I I'm that you're hearing as I'm talking on this show and, and from others as well. And and that is that is such an encouragement because I'm not trying to make anything up here. I'm just trying to be faithful to the Word. I'm trying to be faithful to what the church has said, and I'm trying to point you to trustworthy authors and trustworthy ministries so that you can have even more resources to help you grow. So I hope that today's episode has really helped you to discover for yourself and perhaps even more what does it mean to be a trustworthy uh, Christian? What does it mean to be a sound Christian? And then how do I grow in that? And why do I do it? And, and some practical advice on that. So uh, until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. And thank you for listening or watching this episode of Equip You in Grace.